You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Uh, before the after the show discussion, I was talking to you about uh, it's a re- actually a recommendation, but nothing to do with this movie. I'll recommend it now. When I was poorly in bed, I, uh, I was watching Netflix. And I just went to the front page and it had recommended some movies for me. And one of the movies was called Bernie. And it stars Mr. Jack Black. And that's the movie I watched while I was poorly in bed. And it was really good. It's about a true story. Based like, on a true story. Based on a true story. Which, now we just read the true story, the movie seems to portray pretty well. Uh, I think it's a little bit Hollywooded up. But um, I recommend it. Mr. Jack Black. Who... I don't normally like that much in movies. Is it is brand of uh, it's very, it's a bit over the top for me. You know, I'm thinking of King Kong. You know, it, it, yeah. There's something, but in this, he because that character fit his. Yeah, but School of Rock was awesome. Yeah, it was kind of inspirational, kind of, wasn't it? But and he was just right for it because yeah, and because this movie, this real life guy, kind of fit that Jack Black. Yeah. Everybody loves me kind of... Kind of theatrical. Like, yeah. putting on a show at all times. Yeah, and everybody would love him because of that. It fit perfectly, so So it's yeah. called Bernie. Bernie. B-E-R-N-I-E, not and B-U-R-N-Y. And it's directed by Richard Linklater, who... Don't tell the... Don't tell him. The real... Oh, don't this tell. has nothing to do with the movie, right? It is, but don't tell him anything, because that could end the, spoil the ending. Because you don't know what's going to happen to you in the movie. No. And it's based on a true story. So. No. Yeah, so when you've watched the movie, go on Wikipedia <laughs> and look up the real story and look at the very end and uh, you'll see an interesting, um, re- something that I was like, wow, that's interesting. You should tack that onto the end of the movie, at least. Nah. In a, um, you know, a text. So yeah, it's on, it's on Netflix. Your mind works funny. Why? To me. I don't know why. No, I mean, that, that's an actually a really interesting, that post note to the whole thing to me is very, very interesting. That something like that would happen in real life. So uh, yeah, that's how my mind was interested in stuff. So um, <laughs> oh god. So uh, what uh, what have you got? What have I got? What? What what were you talking? I wasn't talking about anything. About you were talking about that movie. True. <laughs> All right. So it is. I don't think I was talking about anything else. No. Saturday, August the sixteenth. This is after the show. Here's number- what I was doing silently, looking. Why do you keep looking over there? Just to make it sure it's recording, this podcast. It is. I can see the blue stuff getting bigger and yep. littler. Back of my head ain't, ain't <laughs> looking at it properly. <laughs> I was sitting silently, looking closely at people drawing. Close-up drawing, because I like it. It's like pornography to me, but I don't watch pornography. So i got to have something like that. And it's very exciting. So that's silent. I can't really talk about it, I guess, except to say, go look and watch people draw up close. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> there was yes. no discussion involved. True. So, this is after the show number 339. This is a podcast where we look at a movie every week. And the movie we're looking at this week is Muppets Most Wanted. It's a 2014 movie. It's actually released uh, on Tuesday, so you can pick this one up now on Blu-ray. We're looking at the combo pack. It's a PG from our friends at Disney and Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Muppets Most Wanted. Seriously? It's the Muppets. 
Does the content of the story even matter? No. It's the Muppets, and they are... Potentially going to be hornswoggled by a bad guy. Yeah, it's it's the sequel to what was it called? The know. last one, The Muppets, right? Which was a uh, reimagining of the Muppets. No, it's just bringing them back together. True. The origin story of this movie. Sometimes I feel like I'm completely out of sync with the world. Let's just don't be just mad decide. at the Muppets. <laughs> I'm not mad at the Muppets. Muppets are fine. Alright, so the Muppets most wanted is um Maybe I'm mad at people who say reimagining. Yeah, to to put it a small synopsis of this movie is a uh I just said it. They're getting hornswoggled by a bad guy. I don't know what hornswoggle means. You know, like conned into doing something bad by a bad guy. Yeah. And it takes it I wanted to make note of this though, it takes place exactly where the last movie the last scene of the last movie, this movie takes place exactly where... Yeah, that. and the stars of the last movie couldn't be bothered to be standing there with their backs to the camera, which I found really funny. Yeah. But then it's then it, it doesn't really matter. I know it um, doesn't matter, but it was just weird. It was like... Why couldn't those two people just stand there for like they're 10 not seconds? Because they're, they're not... I know, but just stand there at least, so you don't know it's completely different people. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's literally for a few seconds. But um, this takes place straight after the other movie. And while the other movie was like... I really loved the other movie. I thought it was amazing. And the reason I loved the other movie was it was a um, bringing the Muppets back together that you know and love from your childhood and putting them into the Muppet show and then reliving the Muppet show again. Like that That was the whole premise of that last movie. Plus the premise of... Um, young Walter and you know he's the brother of Jason Siegel's character and you know him being integrated into the Muppets it just had a real touching story to it now this one uh, being a sequel and they make no bones about it there's a song right at the very beginning called we're making a sequel and they even say that the sequel's not going to be as good as the original <laughs> you know they, they're very self aware of the whole thing um, and I personally really enjoyed this but it isn't as good as the other one like it misses a little certain something, and I think that's like the heart to it. You know, the actual sentimental part of the Muppets that the other one completely embodied for me. Like, I was like, oh wow, like the Muppet Show theme, you know, the whole. When they played it, and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> this is what this movie's all about. Now, this one is just like, you know, we've got the Muppets back together, they need to go on an adventure, like in the old Muppet movies where they go on an adventure. And they do go on an adventure, and this one's like around Europe. So you get to see all these European cities and the Muppets in them, and it just lacks a little... It's funny, I think. You know, there's some funny lines. Um, it's the Muppets doing what they do. There's a lot of cameo appearances from different people who you'll recognise or maybe not recognise. There's some odd ones where you're like, I don't think a child would know who that is at all, like if a child mm-hmm. was watching this. Um, but it's funny. But I have some. also have some negatives. One of them is Tina Fey. I thought she was really bad in this movie. Like, overall, like, I, I didn't... She wasn't bad. You just don't like her. No, I really like her. So, that's... No, I mean, you don't like her in the movie. Unless... But she wasn't bad at all. Her song that she did was really horribly lip-synced. And it put... It It was like she... I don't know if it's her fault or whoever puts the song to the, to the picture. Mm-hmm. 
it looked like she was lip syncing really badly. Like, and the other songs are kind of matched up. You know, it's obvious that people aren't singing, but at least the the lip and the Ty Burrell guy, the um, guy who plays the French policeman, his song is really really complicated. There's lots of words. It's almost like speaking really fast, and his match perfectly. But hers, it was very out of sync with her with her face. Like, so it was really off. Was out of sync, really? It had that different thing that we talked about, where the co- the sound of it is. Separate from what you're looking at. It's like the song was funny and everything, but I just didn't like her character or the way she portrayed it. Um, so that was one thing I didn't like. Another thing, um, I didn't think I was going to like Ricky Gervais, like, cause when I saw, oh, Ricky Gervais is gonna be in it, it's gonna, I actually thought he did a really good job. Um, you like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, well, I, I really like him, yeah, but I thought when I saw a clip of the Muppets with Ricky Gervais that it was going to be Ricky Gervais making fun of them all, like, like, like his sarcastic, sarcastic. He wasn't being himself. But he actually had the, yeah, even though in this movie his name is Dominic Bad Guy, there's something about him, uh, it's not really a spoiler. He's kind of a bad guy, right? So, it came across to me like um, Jason Segal came across, like he like he loves the Muppets, and I really appreciated that. I thought it was going to be more of like making fun of the Muppets, but it was more like no, he loves the Muppets, and those um, outtakes on this Blu-ray where he's you can tell he loves the whole thing, like it's it's just hilarious to him. Um, I think he does that on every movie. If we've watched all the extras, he always laughs at himself trying to do things. I think I think this would have been particularly funny because. When you're on the set of The Muppets, you've got all these talented puppeteers who are improvising and ad-libbing to you a lot of the time. So it's going to be funny, isn't it? Like, like a lot. Because you don't know what's going to come out of Kermit's mouth. Whatever the guy is saying, doing his voice, is going to say anything, isn't he? You know? So there's a lot of funny moments like that. Um, but I, I liked it. But it just seems to be missing a tiny little thing. And I don't know if it's Jason Segal should have stayed. No. Because I thought he really least, did bring a good heart He's my least favourite thing of the other movie. Yeah, but he was like 99% of why that movie was what it was like. He to wrote, you. It wasn't No, I mean, me. he wrote the whole... Right, but I mean, as far as the movie goes, it wasn't The heart to it, it was him, like. Because he was, he's the biggest Muppets fan and he always wanted to bring the Muppets back. Like, so people could enjoy it again. Uh, and he was trying to find a way, and his way was a good way, I thought, because the, the actual story in that one is really good. Um, the story in this one, it reminds me more of, you know, like the other Just Muppet, a caper. The other Muppet movies from the 80s. Like, like there's a caper going on, the Muppets happen to be involved, and it's not about the Muppets. It's just they're tangled up in a thing, whereas the other one was all about this the phenomenon of the Muppets. Yeah. Phenomena. Dun, 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 dun. Phenomena. And I really um, appreciate the, in this one, the fact that the Muppets are the Muppets. They're not CG things. They're, they're Muppets. And they know the Muppets look weird, but sometimes, you know, I was saying to you, when Kermit, you see his arms and legs, which you never really saw, you did see his arms in the, um, mm-hmm. in the TV show, but you never really saw him walking about. That was just something they couldn't do on TV because you can't really hide. You saw this. Yeah, just sort of the like bouncy. him bouncing along. <laughs> but in this, you see his whole... In fact, he does a dance sequence with Ricky Gervais, and, and it it's... um Awkward and it weird. It looks awkward and weird, but they know that, and they're all in. It feels like everybody's in on the... You know, like, 
why bother making it look it it's a puppet you know it's why would they ever do a muppet movie with cgi well, it's been talked about. That's what I'm saying. They were talking about that. Like, who would even suggest? What's it? What dickhead would suggest we're going to use CGI to I make mean, the Muppets movie? CG, I mean, CGI to enhance maybe. things. Like, and there, there is some CGI. No, I thought you in, meant like make them all CGI. No, not make like, them CGI. Holy crap! You're kind of missing the point. There. Well, there is enhancement. Like they use CGI. I was just reading to to uh, remove strings and remove because uh, they are puppets. They remove strings and they remove those rods that they use to move their arms around. They just take them out of the equation. But that's all. They don't decide if... Oh, yeah, there's a there's a scene near the beginning where um, Constantine, he's, he's uh, doing, like, kung fu and all these guards. And it's just it's just a puppet being thrown at people, isn't it? It's like... It looks it, like it. But, it. but it fits. Like, it totally fits. So um, I like that they went with that and just didn't go crazy. Um... What did you think? I laughed a lot, but I feel the same way. It doesn't have... I'm not a super sappy person, but the, you know, Kermit being the heart of the Muppets is sort of obvious, and yet it wasn't... It didn't pull out enough. You know, there wasn't enough really sappiness to it. You know, it was very... It was kind of like just a caper. It wasn't digging deep to, like, why you love the Muppets. Which the other one if, did. All, if the all real of... Kermit wasn't there, it wouldn't be the same. And then to address that feeling that you get when it's them all, everybody together, and there was none of that. It was just, he's over there now, and we're just, you know, then we have to say to him, like, you are the, you are, you are a leader, and we're a family. But that's all, like, at the end, and sort of just, like, but you don't feel it the whole time. That was my thing. He didn't feel like, why is this a big deal that they got swapped around? So Some of the funniest humor... I did laugh a lot, though. Yeah, some of the funniest humor for me was Constantine, because he is an imposter in the Muppets, and... He is the most dangerous frog alive. Yeah, but the funniest part of it was he makes no effort to cover up the fact that he's an imposter. Like, his accent is... He tries. Yeah, but it's quite obvious to anybody that it's not Kermit the Frog. So that was part of the thing, what makes it less sentimental, because the people didn't notice right. that it wasn't Kermit. So you're like... Uh, so a couple of them did. A couple of them... Only you know, Scooter, Scooter as well, he kind of really. He went the Not first time enough. he talked. Only Animal said, bad frog, bad frog. Because he's an animal and bad he senses frog. it. <laughs> you asked me my favorite Muppet. Animal's my favorite. Yeah, I, I don't know who mine is. It's not Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy might be my least Ms. favorite. Piggy. Yeah, she's she's pretty annoying. <laughs> but there again, the, yes. you know, when you think of the Muppets, you do think of Miss Piggy and Kermit. You can't help it. They they are the, you know, the main ones. So, um... She just doesn't represent women very good, for God's sake. She's just constantly whining and bitching about getting married and he's her man and her frog or whatever. And she does. she needs to be modernized a little bit. I mean... Yes, we're using Russians as the bad guys, which is yeah, very old-fashioned. This whole thing is full of stereotypes and... It always is, and that <laughs> makes you feel a little bit like, I don't know if that seems... I know I'm not a huge, like, everyone needs to be completely bland and, like, sensitive to every possible scenario where you could maybe offend somebody. I'm not a, I'm not into that. But, this old, it's like, it's like you British people constantly throwing the rock of World War II back at Germany, as if the people now living there have any... And this, any mo this movie favorite. does not do that. 
No, I'm saying they're doing it with the Russian people. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Gulags yeah. and Russian detention camp and horrible conditions and this horrible woman who's like in charge of it and who just happens to be gorgeous and beautiful and in love with Kermit. But those kinds of things, you just still feel like you're passing that onto a child now. You've just planted in a child's mind a certain image of this, you know, nationality or nation of people. That's your only reference to the Russian people is that gulag and it's terrible and it's prisoners and it's cold and Siberia is the worst place on war in the world. So you just feel a little like, ah, can we have made up some place or I don't know, that kind of stuff. And the French guy obviously just kind of like kind Respectically of a, so, basically. A little bit, but not quite as fumbly, but still very I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of... Yeah, and the Irish dudes and all they're guarding is the the pot of gold. Um, Yeah, and I forgot to mention, there is like a heist element to this movie, which I always appreciate. It's not really expanded on enough for me, but it's interesting how, you know, they're taking this show and it just happens yeah. to coincide with some uh, bad heist, uh, you know, heist-type activities. Well, the Muppets are the cover yeah. for the heist. So it's quite good in that respect, and it's. I, f- I was thinking of watching while well, I was watching it. You know, would a kid enjoy this? And I think a kid really would. Like when you see it from, forget all the cynical. Like like we're looking at it, going, "Oh, there's Ricky Gervais being kind of sarcastic," and there's Tina Fey and all those people. If you're a child watching this, none of that means nothing, right? So you're you're just focused on the Muppets, right? And the Muppets are fun, really fun. I think they're not scary. They've got a a good thing to tell them, you know, like Sesame Street, we all grew up on it. That was the thing that was missing, though. There was no telling of the heart. The 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 big heart of the story was completely not there till the very, very end, when everybody has to then kiss Kermit's butt and tell him how great he is. But there was none of that throughout. No, there weren't a lot of sentimental moments or, you know, those sort of like, aw, you know. Now... A Muppets movie wouldn't be a Muppets movie without songs, and this movie is full of songs, like the last one was. And the songs... See, this is why I really... I used to like the Muppets a lot. I mean, I was brought up on Sesame Street and the Muppet Show. Um, I liked the Muppets a lot. And then I discovered this show called Flight of the Concords on HBO, which... It's one of my favorite comedy shows. <laughs> you make it sound you went like you went straight from watching the Muppets to the Flight of the yeah. Concords. But that's there was about thirty years in between True. there. But then I, did, I <laughs> like you were just wandering aimlessly since the Muppets went off the air, looking for something, just anything. And then there were there it was. Right, Flight, Flight of the, the Concords is nothing to do with the Muppets. It's a HBO comedy show about these two guys from New Zealand who are musicians trying to make it big in New York City. And it's a musical show. It's very hard to describe, but it's it's a <laughs> it's a comedy comedy with musical numbers integrated into the comedy. It's very unique in that respect. I don't think I've seen anything like that before, anything else. And I love it. I mean, I've watched it so many times. I've I've got it on my hard drive. I just watch it. Like if I need something to watch, I'll watch it. It's hilarious. I know all the songs. And what the Muppets now has in common with that show is Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords, who wrote all the um, songs, writes the songs for the Muppets movie. So when the Muppets are singing the songs, to me, I see Flight of the Concords singing those songs. And with their funny props and their funny videos. And I think it's actually really genius that they got him to do the songs for the Muppets because... But what if you're not a Flight of the Concords fan? If you're not a Flight of the Concords fan, it wouldn't matter, and I don't think you would even understand any of it. 
But if you are a fan of Flight of the Congos and know that these songs, it's it just adds so much more to it. I, I want to hear the songs, and in a lot of movies, I don't want to hear people singing, you know? But when the Muppet movies, I'm like, yeah, it's the song. The songs are actually quite good. Like, they're fun, they're catchy, they're actually funny. You know, that that's... It's my favourite part of the movie, that song. The I'll get you anything you want. That song. It's hilarious. Like, it's just... I don't find it that funny. I found it really funny. I loved the accent coming out of Constantine when he was singing it. It was just... It was weird. It was a bit like Julio Iglesias versus, like, meets a Russian guy. It was weird. But, um... Brett's lyrics, you know that it's Brett's lyrics. It's, it's like Flight of the Concourse is coming out of Muppets. Mm, definitely. Um, and I really appreciate that. It's almost like it was done for me. I feel like it. Like when I'm watching it, I'm like, wow. Like I'm such a fan of Flight of the Concords. And they're like, we had one guy out there really loved that show. <laughs> so let's make music. So and like he used to really like no, the Muppets. No, let's forget about the fact that he's a grown 45 year old man who has no children. He has no reason to watch this movie. But if we get Brett to make the music, maybe he'll watch it. And Jermaine actually is in this movie <laughs> yes, too. Yes. So like both, Flight of, both of the Concords are in this movie. Which is awesome. Both of the flight of the Concord. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the whole band are in, are in here. Yeah, uh, but it's that's just what makes it really special to me now. I'm like, it's the Muppets, and I... I yeah, really but subtract that then. Then what are you left with? Um, It's just one thing I kept thinking was, if you're going to keep making these Muppet movies now, keep Brett doing these songs. Don't... There's something about these songs that are... But to you, because I'm saying... Yeah, to me, it's okay, particularly funny. Okay, be a funny, person like. then that doesn't give a shit about Fly the Concords. Well, I think the songs are good in their own right. I think there are pretty good songs. Like, See, I found that one kind of boring. I really like. it. I was it. like, is this staying alive kind of thing? Is this supposed to be 1970s Saturday Night Fever? That's really good. Um, I know, but you think it's good because it's him. And I really like So subtract the... that, and you won't, you won't see it the same. And aside from Tina Fey's... Weird <laughs> looping problem. That song was really funny too in the prison. Um, yeah, the words are really funny. Yeah, and the sequel song. There's some memorable songs here, like there wasn't the first one. Um, I, I just thought they were all funny. I wanted people to sing. That is rare. You don't normally want the singing. One of my favorite things, in, and this is not to do with the singing, where um, Tina Fey's going through the prison saying goodnight to all the prisoners. <laughs> and they've all got like weird names like Dogtooth and, you know, Big Bear. And then she gets to the end cell and she says, goodnight, Danny Trejo. <laughs> I was like, that's really awesome. Like it's. Cause he's just a criminal and yeah, he just ends he up in that, that prison that good luck in Russia. Yeah. So, um, it has really funny moments and the songs were the highlight of the whole thing for me. But I do think that that heart is missing. And the first one, it actually makes you feel really sad. There's moments in the first one where you're, you know, you you feel. That's what sad. I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's it tapped into, and I don't like to compare, but I also actually don't see this as two separate things. It's all together to me. Is a continuation of the Muppets' new journey. You know what I mean? So in that one, you you actually start it starts hitting home to you that the Muppets, as much as you loved it as a child, were just a in the minds of many people in Hollywood at the time. It was just a product. It was a product. It ran its course. We ditched it. We made some money. Let's move on to the next thing. And you feel you feel this sort of your innocence goes away a little. Like, well, why wouldn't the Muppets just be awesome forever? Why can't you just fund them forever? Like, but then you get that feeling like, yeah, but you can't just dispose of these things. 
we can't just send them all, I mean, as if they're really real, but they've been, <laughs> they've all gone off to their own lives, you know, and now, in this one, there's no, like, they're all together, and the story of keeping them together just wasn't, it was kind of like, you know, the X-Files movie that you love so much, the last, the last one, yeah. where it's just an episode of the X-Files, but made into a movie. Right. Whereas the other one is like, it's telling you more, of, it's like the story of the X-Files, and you, you get behind all of it, like the whole, the bigness of it. And then there's the, boom, here's a little episode of it. It's like that. Like, the other movie was like, oh, the story I'm connecting to these people, quotation marks. And now this one is, oh, we're just going back to them being, like, crazy wacky. Because one of the cool things about the first one, The Muppets, was... But I'm not six, so if I was six, I might think differently. One of the cool things about that first movie was them going to find each individual Muppet member and seeing what they actually yeah. were doing. Like, yeah. You know, Miss Piggy's here doing this, and and then you're like, wow, so, in you know, they're not together as the Muppets, and this is what they're doing in their normal lives. Like, you know, it, it, that was a cool part of that, and... Obviously, they drew on all that, so now... And this one was more focused on Ricky Gervais, the bad guy, you know, Yeah, the humans had a bigger... um, It felt like it, but probably didn't really when you think about it, but that just seemed to be more of the focus than all of the Muppets. And they didn't all have a part to really contribute, you know? I mean, Fozzie ends up being one of the ones that goes... I was a little disappointed that they didn't... Um, show you a decent enough, you know, because they're doing this world tour of the Muppet show. Yeah, one whole episode of it wrapped yeah, up in the middle. Yeah, maybe not there. a whole episode because you can't really do that in a movie, but at least a decent chunk, like at least, a, you know. Yeah, not just part of a dance number with the Salma guy. Hayek or... No, the other guy did the dance number. Yeah, uh, Christoph Waltz. Right, and you only see like 10 seconds of it, whereas if you did him doing the jokes... And then understanding that the other thing is happening instead of having to keep going back to Ricky Gervais and taking up... Because I was like, oh, I want to watch Yeah, this. the Muppet show. I want to see him dance around and do the one-liner jokes because that was the whole thing of the ballroom was they would dance around and then you'd see a couple and they'd, one person would say something and it was yeah. always like this old-fashioned dun-dun-dun jokes. And I was like, oh, we're going to see a few of these and he's not... He doesn't seem like a funny guy, so it'll be funny. And he did one joke and then you're back to Ricky yeah, Gervais. Yeah, they kind of... They didn't fo- like in the first Muppets. They when they did actually put on the show, they focused on the show and showed you a bunch of the show. In this one, it's it is really click 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 is a little thing is a little thing. I was a bit disappointed in that. I did like the way um, and it did bring it to me that they should put the Muppets back on TV Absolutely. as the Muppet Show because you know when it said, "Hey, it's the Muppet Show and tonight's special guest is Christoph Waltz." I was like, "Well, why isn't that on TV? Why exactly. isn't Christoph Waltz the guest?" Plus, for we half never an got the theme song if you noticed. No, it was in Spanish. In Spanish we got it. But yeah. we didn't get Which the... was kind of cool. I like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, but you need that at least once. And they did that in the first one, and it was the best moment of the whole movie. <laughs> it, that's what I'm saying. Because it, it, I... it's 6.30 on a Sunday night, if you're sitting near the television, and that started up, dun, dun, whatever the very beginning was, and then... It was, yeah, the two dudes in the... What are they called? The two dudes and They the said men. something yeah. before it started. Um, but yeah, it's... If if this succeeds, if they were just if if the idea was to do a caper movie with the Muppets like the old times, this succeeds in that respect. Sure, but don't expect the heart of the first one, because that first one really does. Because I don't want Miss Piggy and Kermit to get married, so I don't care about that part. 
No. Let me be very honest. I don't think they're suited for another. And when we did the little fantasy song of their future together, it kind of grossed me out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for obvious reasons. I was like, that does not sound genetically possible. So let's not have Miss Piggy and Kermit get married. With the the little weird babies, yeah. (laughs) It was weird. I thought there's no way they're going to address this. And Mm -hmm. then they did. I was like, okay. What kind of Muppet babies would these two Muppets have? And you see them. Now we know. And then you see they'll also see those creepy Muppet babies in this Oh, yeah. They were really creepy. They weren't really? cute or anything. They were like... They reminded me of like, like Cabbage, cabbage Patch dolls, dolls but like the evil, the garbage pail dolls, kind of. Yeah. There's some weird things in this movie. So um, let's move on to the cast. So Ricky Gervais plays Dominic Bad Guy. Yeah, I, I really liked him in it. I thought... He didn't go overboard, Ricky no. Gervais. He just knew he was with the Muppets, and the Muppets are the star, and he has to kind of take the story along. Still has a bit of that acidity to him that makes him... It's obvious that part of the time he almost is rolling his eyes at the fact, yes, this is the Muppets, but oh my god, what am I doing with... I'm sitting here with a Muppet on my head, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> that was quite fun. <laughs> Also, that suit he wore near the end was quite funny. Yes, that one was really funny. <laughs> I wonder, did he lose weight just for that? Because I don't know. That was quite revealing. And then Tina Fey plays Nadia. Um, you know what I think of that? I didn't really like it. Um, I thought you've said before you didn't like her. So no, I like her, but you I didn't, didn't like, like her in that other one. I liked her in Bridesmaids. Yeah. Thought she was really funny in that. Um, was she in Bridesmaids? That was Amy Poehler. No, oh, Tina Fey in Bridesmaids. Where she's drunk on the plane. I thought that was Tiana, uh, the other one, the blonde one. Amy Poehler was, was the one from Bridesmaids. Really? I believe okay, so. Okay, so she was in one where they were having a baby or something? Yeah, she was one where she was too old. And I she thought was that hired. one was quite good. You said you didn't like her, I believe. No, I did not. No, you said you didn't think I mean, I don't watch funny. her on Saturday Night Live, but what I've seen her in, I've liked I don't liked think it. she's on that anymore. No, I know, but I mean, you could still watch it. 30 Rock. Yeah, I've never really watched that. I mean, I like her as far as what I've seen her in. But this, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the whole vibe of that whole... Yeah, it feels like, because we grew up with the... Let's be honest, the anti-Russia. Russia is a very closed-off, very militant, very, you know, that kind of society. So now this is supposed to be the joke that there is this gulag where this beautiful woman is the headmistress kind of lady. You know, she's the main woman, and... She has a crush on Kermit, and she's hard on the prisoners, and it just isn't that funny. I mean, it just isn't that funny. And uh, Ty Burrell plays Jean-Pierre Napoleon. He's like a, like, say, Inspector Clouseau, or a, you know... A modern take on that a little bit. I love his little car that he drives. There's some funny stuff in his... I thought his stuff was pretty funny. Just thought of a recommendation I need to make a note of. Um, and that's it as far as the human uh, main players. Obviously, all the Muppets are in this. Everybody you know and love in the Muppets. But then there's a ton of cameo appearances by, you know, like we've mentioned earlier, Christoph Waltz, um, Salma Hayek. Who else? Lady uh, Gaga, Tony Bennett, the guy from uh, James McAvoy, um, the guy who's Loki from Hit Girl, Thor, Hit Girl. <laughs> Um, who else was on the board? Oh, Hannah. She's not named Hannah, but she's from Hannah. Yeah, from the host, that girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's good that we know all their names. Josh Groban. See, that's a, that's a cameo appearance. I'd be like, kids, what, 
I almost have no idea who he is. I had no idea who he was. He sold like 25 million, you know, he's huge. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. It was lost on me. All I knew was this guy is probably a singer. Yeah. And then I asked you, like, who was the guy in the box? Because I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, maybe when he comes out, it'll be Pavarotti or somebody like that. But it was some young guy, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't Ray Liotta is in it. Ray Liotta. That's not a cameo. Though. Ray Liotta looked like he was having a lot of fun in this movie. Cameos aren't that. So, well, I'm just saying that. Lots of big names who just show up. Danny Trejo shows up. Um, who else? There's a lot of people show mm-hmm. up. I mean, it's... It's so, not a lot. Maybe 10 or 15 at the most. Sometimes people show up for like a split second, too. If you blink, you'll miss him. Stanley Tucci. I missed him. Yeah, but he did a whole line of He everything. did, but I didn't realize who he was. Like, I, I didn't... That was just you blinking for a very long time. No, I didn't blink. I was looking straight at him and didn't... I was like, yes, that's a famous person, obviously. I'm saying he had the, some of the most lines of any of them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's a bunch of that, if you like that kind of thing. Uh, and well, it's that, just a nod to the Muppets, isn't it? It all makes sense because the yeah. Muppets always had a guest every week, and this has a bunch of guests, so it, it really makes. Wouldn't sense. Wouldn't it be perfect for a TV show now? I don't understand why it's not. I really don't. We said it in the last review. I don't understand why it isn't. In fact, don't make the movies. Do you think they concentrate on financially? A TV show? They can make more money if you make a movie every two or three years than to make a TV show that's constant expense I mean, for like a whole year at a time. I bet that's it. Like, I mean, you would have to spend loads of money on a TV show, right? A lot. Right up front. Yeah, but it would fit so perfectly. It would. It would and they fit. have the Disney Channel, and they own ABC, and yeah, they have every... ABC at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, the Muppet Show. And who, these days, kids would download every episode, and you'd play them over And, and it'd be really funny, because you'd have, you'd have, like, modern-day people who you wouldn't expect to be on it. I don't think Disney needs us as the marketing people, but, yeah, for us, for me, it seems to me... I would watch it. Because I was looking at the beginning part... Oh, when, P. Diddy showed up. I was, yeah, P. Diddy. I was looking at the beginning part, and Lady Gaga stood there, and I'm like... I want to see the 30-minute episode where Lady Gaga <laughs> interacts with the Muppets because what is that? What is what is that going to be like? Like, yeah, you, that, yeah. you know? I want to see that. I want to see Tony Bennett sing with... Absolutely. One I bet Muppets. he was on it in the past. I don't remember. I watched all the episodes, but I don't remember who was. I bet he was, but there's, there's so much potential to do it again, you know, for a modern... And, you know, have Brett write, the, write a song... <laughs> you know, every week there's a song, and he did. There's so much potential. I don't. Yeah, because modern day you can incorporate all technology of modern things. Yeah. You've got the scientists. So got many the jokes. Chef. Imagine the chef's episode, the chef's little segments, all the new food TV shit that they could throw in there, and all the chefy stuff, and have guest stars separate from the. Listen to me, I'm going to sell this to Disney. You might have your guest star that week. It's Lady Gaga, but you're going to have the chef do their segment, and who shows up? Tony Bourdain or something like that in that little segment. I mean, it's, come on. It just um, come on. They must Disney. have. They've obviously thought about it, haven't they? But something's stopping them doing it. And it probably this. right. It's probably <laughs> movies are. It's an easier way for people to, you know. Yeah, you, you spend three months doing it or a year probably altogether post production, and then boom, you're done with it, and then you make. Tens and when of when you when you're sitting on an idea like, hey, we're going to do the Muppet Show again on TV. That might sound, oh, well, it's fine. We just get the Muppets out and we do a show each week. But what it means really is, if it does take off, we're doing the Muppet show for 10 years. It's, it's a big project, like, because if it does get popular, you have to carry on with it. Well, that's how it works, isn't it, in TV? So maybe it's that, but then why would you stop 
from that because it's just money, isn't it? Lots of money. Plus, then you would reintroduce the art of the puppeteering and the art of the puppet making to whole new generations. Obviously, you get young people being voices and making the puppets. Now, uh, puppets. Muppets and puppets. Listen to us. We've gone on for a long time about making the show to grown people with no children, no grandchildren. And so, yet we want to bring back the Muppet. So there's some extras on this Blu-ray. We wouldn't even be able to see it. Do we have ABC? We don't even get yeah, we have ABC on the rabbit ears. So, right. so there's bonus extras here. Not very many, to be honest. There's one which is called the longer, longest blooper reel in Muppets history. And if you got the first movie, they had the longest blooper reel. This one's longer than that one. It's quite funny because I like Ricky Gervais and he's definitely cracking up over the Muppets quite a bit. Uh, there's something called Rizzo's Biggest Fan, which I didn't really, uh, didn't do anything I think for. that was just a nod. People obviously liked Rizzo. It says someone with, the actual description for that extra is someone with absolutely no personal connection to Rizzo the Rat as a special request for the director. <laughs> and then finally, there's the I'll Get You What You Want music video, which is actually performed by Brett McKenzie instead of the uh, character in the movie. I thought it was fantastic. I would uh, buy this Blu-ray just for that video. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's it for extras. You get the Blu-ray, the DVD, and the digital copy. Um, so yeah, that's the that's Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, if you like the Muppets, I think you would like it. You don't know though. It's a Muppet. It's a Muppet. It's not a Muppet extravaganza. It's not the best Muppet ever. movie. And it's not the worst Muppet movie either. Oh my god, what exactly does that mean? That it's in the middle of how many movies? The worst one to me is that one where they were on the pirate ship. I don't know what that one is called, but it, I've never it seen it really any bad for me. I don't know. I think I saw Muppets Take Manhattan, but not watching it just because I was a nanny at the time and the three little children watched it a, a lot. There, there was a bunch of Muppet movies. It was my nanny assistant. Yeah. Well, seven of them, to be exact, because he said this is actually the seventh sequel to our original movie, so eight. Yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol. That was quite a good one. I like that one. You always, they always show that at Christmas. Um, probably still do. But yeah, the Muppets, they're, they've spanned many generations, and they don't look like they're going anywhere. I don't know how many generations. If we were children when it was on originally... Sesame so Street also is part of it. And Could Sesame Street's still on, like it... You know, they still air Sesame Street, so kids still see Sesame Street. It's not like it went anywhere, is it? I never can find it. It still airs. I know, but I mean, I have PBS, yeah, but I've got that on in the morning sometime. No Sesame Street. So, yeah, that is... uh, I didn't say who who this was directed by. I missed it. But it's directed by James Bobin. And James Bobin directed the first one. He also directed Flight of the Concords, so that kind of makes some sense. Oh, right, yeah. He directed all of the episodes of Flight of the Concourse. He also directed the Ali G show, which is another show I really liked. So, that's the Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted. Um, thank you to Disney for the Blu-ray, and if you want to enter a contest, I have a copy of Muppets Most Wanted up for a prize. You can win a copy on Blu-ray. Just go to aschoolie.com, and you can uh, enter and win. It's pretty easy to do. So Monday, next week's... Monday, 6 a.m., PBS, 6 a.m., The Sesame Street. It's still on. That's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's, it, I don't think it's going anywhere. It's, it, though, even those old Sesame Street episodes, they still learn kids. I mean, they're timeless. It's learning the ABCs. It's learning how to count. It's all timeless. So, um. Trivia? What year did the Sesame Street start? The Sesame Street. <laughs> me, uh, 76, maybe. 
Really? How old were you in 1976? Seven. You were seven. So, do you remember... I don't remember it when I was really little, but I don't remember being little. Right. That so... started in 1969. Oh, really? Yeah. When I was born. When you were born. So, next week's Blu-ray review is Noah. Darren Aronofsky's Noah. We're going to look at that next week. And movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, and this is not a movie, but Flight of the Concords. It's an HBO series. So if you've got HBO to go, it's all on there. The archive, you can just watch it. It's actually on Amazon Prime if you're a member of that too. And you can pick it up on DVD. It's actually pretty cheap now as well because it's been out for several years. It's two seasons. I recommend the first season. The second season, unfortunately, wasn't as good. The songs weren't as good and the story was kind of fizzling out towards the end. But the first season, it's really fantastic start to finish. The, it, there's funny songs the entire way through it. It is quirky, so recommending it because you say it's absolutely hilarious. Somebody, loads of people are going to watch it and be like, what is funny about this? Yeah, it's... It's, it's like a it, couple of idiots and It some tickles my song. funny bone completely. Exactly. Yeah. And I happen to love it even more because it gave birth to Louise Belcher. True. I am a Bob's Burger fan, and Louise Belcher's voice is done by uh, Louise Schall. Schall? Kristen Kristen Schall. Schall. Louise, who am I thinking Louise? There's another lady. Oh, the lady who does the voice on American Dad. She's also a Schall. Do you remember when um, we watched Kristen Schall's stand-up? That yes. was really good. I mean, it was avant-garde and weird, and that I it'll always be in my mind. I'll always remember it because it was not like any other thing I've ever seen. It was kind of like an experiment. But it was really funny. I don't... It was like a comedy special uh, thing. Comedy Central special. So, yeah. And my other one I wanted to recommend is Men in Black 3, which features Jermaine from um, Flight of the Concours as the bad guy. And he's really good in it. And when I was watching him in The Muppets as this... um, he kind of reminded me, because he's kind of grizzled looking, and he's grizzled looking in Men in Black 3. Men in Black 3 is actually my favorite Men in Black film. I like it better than the other two. Well, my recommendations are Men in Black and Men in Black 2, because I think you should make a night of it. So if you're going to watch 3, then you need to watch 3. 3's my favorite one. 3 was good. Yeah. We've only watched it once, by the way. I've only watched it once. Yeah, so have I, but I actually liked the Josh Brolin, um, Will Smith thing. I just really liked it. Like Josh Brolin doing the um, Tommy Lee Jones. I thought yeah. it was really clever. Like it was funny and really, it's quite, it had a heart to it. Like uh, the first Muppets. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, the Plants vs. Zombies, it's about time. that I've been playing countless, uh, um, unimaginable amount of hours. Uh, just the other day, I was looking at the start screen and I finally got it. To me, it's about time, man. It's about time you made this fucking game. No, it's about time. About time. I know. I just got it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to it's admit both. that. It's I didn't both. have it's... to admit that to you. Oh. But the fact of the matter is, it's about going back to the Middle Ages it's both, and the though, future. Isn't it? it means both things. <laughs> I was like, I just got it. <laughs> Crazy Dave has a time machine. <laughs> Well done. Oh, thanks. thanks. How long did it take? <laughs> Six months. I don't know. How long has it been out? So those are my recommendations. And this week, I made another discovery. We don't have cable, but we get high def through the rabbit high def, ears. Um, it's not rabbit ears anymore. It's a round like, antenna. But we get yeah. that just through the air. And we have this one channel that at different hours, sometimes it's not there all the time. It's weird. Some of these channels change what they are oh, different completely. times of the day. 
Do they? I don't pe- Sometimes it says no signal. Right. Well, this one is, it's like the international channel. So I've found things like in uh, Italian show about a priest guy who's like a crime solver. And then the other day I was turned to something and it was like people dressed like what I think of as Marie Antoinette and shit like that, you know, and it was French and I was reading the subtitles and I'm like, oh, okay. And it doesn't look that old. It looks fairly modern-ish. Like it wasn't from the 70s or anything or 80s. So I'm like, okay, I'll just watch this. And I felt like I'd just gotten into the beginning of the story. And sure enough, I had like, there was like 45 minutes left. And it was an hour long. Well, I think it was an hour and a half. Um, it ends up being, I forget his first name, something Lefloch. Yeah, L-E-F-L-O-C-H. And it is pre-revolutionary, like right before the French Revolution. This sounds horribly boring, I know. But, and it's subtitled. It's all in French. That's fine. But it's pre-revolutionary. And it's a guy who's a police officer in Paris, and he solves not just crimes, but sort of like one of them, the first one I watched was, we have these reports of these beasts out on, in the swamp or whatever it was, that when people go to these people's house, they end up disappearing and da da da. So then, of course, he gets to the bottom of it, sort of like the CSI of the pre-revolutionary, pre-French revolutionary France, and... It's completely compelling, and I can't help myself. I got on the beginning of another one the other day, and I was like, <gasps> and I watched the whole thing, and then another episode came on, and I was like, I'm sitting here, I'm really tired, but I'm going to watch this. It's, um... La Flock. I was going to say, I wonder if... Well, I don't know if Netflix have stuff like that, but they should. Why mm-hmm. not? Like TV from other countries. There's Absolutely. a lot of good TV from other countries. That yeah, and never it's, it's weird. Like, you want to resist... Li- I wanted to, like, resist liking it because I'm like, it's so... It's not... It's not, like, kind of this flat... It's... The costumes and everything are really awesome, like, super detailed. They've done it. They actually film it in castles and all kinds of places that are, like, real French. They do it in Paris. And, you know, it's just a nice, interesting... And then I don't... You know what? I'm old enough to know better. Just, like... Figuring out the name of that game, what it meant. But I never think of people... Okay, pre-revolutionary French means nothing to me. France. There's Marie Antoinette and some women got their heads cut off and a bunch of people got guillotined and then the French Revolution. I don't even know why. And then I don't know what the difference is. I don't get it. I don't... I never paid that close attention in school, right? So it's all very distant. I don't think of it as a time when people just did their thing. Well, this, and this is kind of elite, lots of richy, richy, over-the-top outfits and stuff, you know. And I realized, well, yeah, they would have had a whole system of government, and they had police, and they had crimes, and they had serial killers, and some of the technology that was new then, they're trying to highlight in the show. I read a little bit about it. They tried to show... In each season. They only do, like you said, the two episodes per season because it's from books that were written. Yeah. And then they try to highlight some technology that was new to the time. Like, there were certain kinds of bombs that people were making. There were certain kinds of poisoning was a very big thing back in that day. Like, lots of murders were done with poisoning. Um, so they were trying to highlight that in one of the episodes, you know, where you could see, like now with CSI, where people do weird, crazy shit to kill people. So, I just find it really... I'm just riveted, plus you can't do anything else because you have to read the subtitles, so you're just, you're engaged with the whole thing the whole time. What's the channel called? No, oh, I don't even M-E remember. No, that's a different one. Yeah, well, it's, if you just tune in your rabbit ears, like, it, yeah, it's like global something. Global? Yeah, global 
international yeah TV but it, and it does i watched something on there one day i was sat there in the living room and i put it on and that channel was on and it was this really dark like it was where was it from it was like russian and it was like this really grisly like it was like seven like a murder show right. and it was really gruesome looking. what country was it like russian Russian, right? Oh, yeah. I think I saw a preview of that. And it that. seemed really, like, dark. intense. Yeah, yeah. Dark. I saw yep. I yeah. saw them. They were trying to sell the DVDs of I watched it, a whole and... episode of it. And I was like, whoa, that's, like, some crazy shit. Like, that would never be on this TV here. Like, like an American TV show would never portray it that bad, like, that gross. Right, and there was another I watched that was Italian. It might have been the one with the priest. That was kind of, like, kind of comedy element mixed in with this priest who can kind of, like talk all the bad guys into confessing, but no one else knows they're the bad guy. It also has British shows occasionally. I've turned it on and there was a British show on one, one day. So, um, yeah, that's a recommendation. So, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I finished Watch Dogs on the PS4. I think it took me about four months to finish it. Uh, I finally finished it. And they're making a movie of Watch Dogs uh, coming like in a couple of years, I believe. They've optioned it. Um, and I can't understand why, because the story was horrible. It was, like, really, really poor. <laughs> like, it, like it's a it's a story about hacking and hackers, but it's so predictable. I can't believe they actually... It's like they didn't spend any time on it. Like, they made the, they made the game, like, interesting, and, like, all the mechanics to the game, and then after that, they were like, well, what could the story be? That's how it feels like. Right. But the story was, um, it was just really, really, really bland. And, like, it went exactly where I thought it was going to go. There's no, there is a twist, but I knew the twist. The twist's, like, really obvious if you're paying attention. Don't give it away. You don't even need to. It's just so obvious. If you're looking at the screen, you know, throughout the game, you're going to know what the twist is. Um, and then, as Ubisoft always do with their games, for some reason, I don't understand this either. There's, I timed it, there's 18 minutes of credits, and there's no button to skip the credits. You have to sit there for 18 minutes. In fact, you said to me, why are you sat there watching yeah, credits? Yeah, I was like, it's been, I left the room, I came back a while later, <laughs> I'm like, why are you just, like, waiting and for you, something You good? can obviously play again after the credits, because you can go around the city and do all the things you didn't do, even though the story's over. That's it. So it you have to actually you. sit there and wait for the... Credits to roll to actually play again. Do they expect you to then sit there and read every name? Is that the idea? I think they just want to like say, these are the people who made the game. You shouldn't be skipping this, but come on. The Muppets credits were really fun. Yeah. Because they had the big guy pulling a a rope rope and then pulling up the credits and then Fozzie helps and then the scientist guy comes on with his automated credit thing and then they start rolling too fast. Yeah. That was pretty good. So what, what were you saying? Oh, no, finish what you're saying, though. Remind me. No, I'm just saying, I finished Watch Dogs. It was a really lame story. I actually kind of liked the mechanics of the game and the game part of it. And they set it up for a sequel in some kind of way at the end. So there probably will be another one. Hopefully they get it right in the second one. Because this game was all promise. And then when you play it, it seems really awesome for about four or five hours. And then you start to go, oh, okay. There's not actually that much here. It's the same thing over and over again. There's 20 of that mission. There's 30 of that mission. How long did it take you to have that realization after you married me? <laughs> there was a big cell at the front. And now I'm a couple years in. I'm like, all right, it's the same shit every day. 
I mean, you could say that about life, can you? <laughs> but yeah, it's, um... Yeah, in the womb, someone was giving me a full-time sell on all of life here. It's what's going to happen. It's it's a good game if you like open-world games, because I did get a kick out of doing all the things. Like, going, this, you can play chess, you can play poker. There's all kinds of stuff you can do in the world. The city feels alive and everything. But you don't stay engaged. No, it's just that story, story. is just, it's bland. I think what the problem is, and I figured it out over the game, is there's loads of side missions. And they're just side missions, other things to do if you're not doing the story, which are cool. I like doing those kind of things in GTA. Go and find all these packages, or go and do this. There's lots of that. But then, when you get back to the story, you realise that the story missions are just the side missions with some cutscenes. Like, what you've been doing in the side missions, there's like five different things. There's like, chase a car, shoot a guy, chase a guy. (laughs) You know what I mean, the generic things. And what the actual missions in the story boil down to is those five things. So if you've done loads of the side missions, when you get back to the story, you're like, oh, really, I'm doing another one of these chase a guy across chase a guy and then wrestle him down. That's what this story mission is. Right. The story missions in GTA, if you play another open world game called like GTA, they're really varied. Like You don't know what you're going to be doing from one story mission to the next. One story mission... You're transporting a body in the back of a car and you've got to go and ditch it somewhere. The next one, you're breaking into, like in GTA 5, you're breaking into a um, dot-com business and you're uh, sabotaging something. It's like there's all kinds of different things in that. Or you're doing a heist on a big bank. In this game, none of that. You're chasing a man in a car, chasing a man on foot, uh, sniping from a ledge. That's it. So that's Watch Dogs. Um, it doesn't sound like I would recommend it, but if you can get it cheap, like $30, I would pick it up for that price. But it's definitely not worth 60 even though I did get a lot of hours out of it. It just seems repetitive. Uh, were you saying something? I was just saying, I figured out what network that was on. It's Megahertz. Called, is that Megahertz? Yeah. MHZ Network. And it's on different... Like, it's fed to different chan- channels at different times, and um, I don't know. Is that the one you're watching? Did oh, that's Deluca? what it's called. Worldview. Yeah, Worldview. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there's one called Detective DeLuca, and here's the description. Posing as rural partisans in their flight that's from the, the Allied invasion, DeLuca and his fellow... There's lots of police crime dramas on there, but all different takes on it, you know? Sure. So, MHZ Network. If you have cable, though... And you're flipping around. It's probably it's on in, cable permanently. Yeah, and it's really in the channel. low numbers. Like, go down to your low channels. That's probably where it is, you know, around... You know. But it's just on the on the antenna. Like, yeah. Just on the open air. Also, it's online. So if you want to go online and watch, you can just go to MHZ Networks and you'll find it. And I'm not doing a commercial for them. I just think it's awesome to... And all, we have lots of other ways of watching international things nowadays, but... For it to just be on, and we don't watch TV, TV. Never really. But now, if I'm sitting on the couch and I think, well, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to see what if Le Flock is on, you know? All that cooking channel is pretty good if you just want Create. something to be on, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like more of a public channel, but more a little more professional. Then, of course, we have the public channels that are not the professional ones. <laughs> like the preacher guy in his living room or whatever he's doing. <laughs> So another game I've been playing this week is uh, I kickstarted this game last year, and it's called God. You started of... it. Kickstarted. You mean you donated some to their Kickstarter? twenty dollars to the Kickstarter? Damn. And it's a uh, Peter Molyneux's new game, 
and it's called Goddess. And it, the reason I kickstarted it is I'm a big fan of Peter Molyneux, always have been, since his early days, Populous. Uh, and he makes God games, generally. And this one, Goddess, has been in development for like over a year now. And on Steam, last week, they've put out their 50% completed build of Goddess. So if you're a Kickstarter backer, you get a 50% complete version of the game. Now, I don't normally play these um, pre-release versions of games until they're finished, because I find it kind of spoils it for me. I've already played it, and I don't really want to play it again. But what happened here is, on this 50% complete version of the game, and this is really unique and quite cool if you really like to know how games are made, Peter Molyneux narrates the game as you play it. So he tells you about the development. So say you click on something, he'll say, this went through several different things. You know, we were going to have it as like a trading card book, like when you pick things up off the landscape. Or first we we're going to have a treasure chest. And he tells you, like, in his mind how it's come to what it is. So what the game is, it's a god game. You start with two people on a on a land, and you have to make a big civilization of people by gathering resources. It's a bit like black and white, but it's from above. But you can sculpt the landscape. You yeah, when you say it... god games, you don't mean, like, a Christian god or a Jewish god or Buddha. You don't mean a no, religious game. No, like you're the game. overlooker of You the are the thing. god, so yeah. you make everything happen. Right, and that's what this is. But the director's commentary over the top is really good because he talks to you, and I played for like three or four hours, and he, when you get to certain milestones in the game, because it all stuff starts to unlock as you get further into it, he says, here at this point, and it's his voice over the top, we decided it might be getting a little bit dull for you here, like, because, you know, you're just building houses and there's not really much going on, so we decided to have this thing up here, and, like, he tells you exactly what's going on. So if you really like how games are made and how the person who makes a game, you know, because games aren't just, it's not just the game that you play. Everything's, you know, how how long it takes for the house to build or how long it takes for to get 100 people in your land. That's all meticulously planned. It's not just random. Everything's planned so you, as a gamer, start to play it and feel focused, like like you don't get bored. Everything's... You know, game design is really difficult, actually. To keep somebody into it and not bored. Like, it, there's a lot of finesse has to go into stuff. Yeah, but then there are people like me who don't go for anything like stop me from being bored. I can sit and build a house in The Sims for five hours right. with nothing else But with a game happening. like this where there's an actual... No, with a game like this for people like you who want something to happen or a protagonist, a antagonist or a thing or, you know... Whereas if you spent five hours just building your land up, you'd just be like, okay, well, there's nothing happening. But that's not the per, you know, that's not everybody. Right. But th- this game's more, it's less of a game like The Sims and more of a game like it's got a strategy to it. It's like Populous. It's like there are milestones you have to hit. Um, it's not timed. You can take your time to do it all. But you have, sometimes you have to wait, like, for things to happen, like, you know, like, You've got four builders, and you tell them to go and build a house. The house doesn't just appear. They have to spend a certain amount of time building the house. So above the house, it'll say 18 minutes until this house is built. So then you've got 18 minutes to, you know, look around, find things, maybe sculpt the land a little bit. It's a cool game. It's called Goddess. It's um, actually available on the iPad for free at the moment, this 50% build. 
The iPad version is not the same as the PC version. It's full of in-app purchases. You have to, like, buy belief and all this. It, it sounds lame to me. The but PC- you haven't seen it, so you don't know. I've been told somebody I know picked it up this week and said that, um, yeah, you get to a certain point and you have to buy some stuff. Money. With real money. The PC version is not like that at all because you've paid for the PC version. It's a $20 game. It doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have a shop or anything. It's just... So I can't play it because I haven't donated. You could play on my Steam account. I mean, as a person who has not donated, I can't play it. No, it's not a free game. It's, right. a, it's a game you buy. I mean, you can't go buy it unless you go to the Kickstarter and donate. No, you can buy it now. It's on Steam oh, as, right. a, as an early access game. So it, it was a Kickstarter when I did it, but now it's uh, you can go to Steam and pay $20 and you get it immediately. And every week when they make a new build, the next one might be 55% complete up to the end. You get a new build every week, basically. Um, I don't particularly like that method of playing a game before it's finished. Because there's lots of stuff missing from this game, too. When you scroll along all the powers you can have, there's a big chunk of powers that aren't in the game, but they're there. Like, it shows you what they're going to be, but that you're not having them because they're just not implemented yet. That kind of bugs me a little bit, but there again, it's like an adventure just seeing a game being made. And I admire Peter Molyneux. He definitely under-delivers on um, Promise, but, you know, that is a thing he's done in the past. He he says this, this, and then you go, wow, and then you get his game and you go, that's not exactly what you said. But I don't think you can live up to... You can if you're not. I mean, you have a bunch of ideas. You don't have to be full of shit. You can actually say the reality of what you're. Not just the full, like, this is my vision and this is where we can get it to. Not, this is my vision and it's where we can get to. Because that's when you let everybody down. Now, I I find this really cool because he left Microsoft because he was being stifled creatively on the Fable franchise. Uh, Fable 3 wasn't very good and that was because he'd lost interest in it completely, he said. He'd lost interest. Microsoft just kept saying to him, we need another Fable game this Christmas. Are we doing another... You know, and that was basically his life, making these Fable games. He got fed up of that. He left Microsoft and he made his own company. They're called 22 Cans. They're in Guildford in Essex, uh, in England. And it's his own business, you know. And what's really cool about this is they give you this build every so often if you're a backer of the game. And if you follow them on YouTube... They do a, a video every day where they discuss something about the game or they take you on a tour around the office or they show you concept art. So you feel like you're really involved with this game if you follow it. And I don't think I've ever had that experience before of actually following a game's development start to finish and them personally talking to you about it. You know, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't see that. You can't. The next EA game that's coming out, Mass Effect or something, you're not privy to the behind the scenes of that. Because we know why. It's like a factory farm for games. Right. You're sitting in your cubicle, right? Like you said, that guy said. Yeah. 10, 12, 16 hours a day in the dark. It's not very interesting. You're, you've got one person who's sitting there coding for the texture on the tires of a driving game and three cubicles down, you might have the lady who's coding for the hair textures on three different games. Right. And that We're- doesn't sound very creative. It's like you are participating in the creation of a thing, but it doesn't sound very fulfilling for people. And if you watch these YouTube videos, 22 Cans is their channel. Um, His environment is very creative. Nobody's boothed in. It's not dark. It's very bright. It's very open. Everybody's sitting actually round tables together, like, and they're all throwing ideas. And, 
yes, there's a guy over here doing textures and sure. stuff. Sure. But- I mean, you have some jobs that require solitude, yeah. and quiet, and darkness. But like at Pixar, where you've got loads of people who are doing the coding side and the design side and then the creative, the drawings and the storyboards. And it seems like there's just more of a... Now, we might be delusional and thinking... We're looking, we're not looking at the man behind the curtain because there's probably some boring places at Pixar or at this place that you're talking yeah. about too, but. But yeah, I feel like, like I'm seeing a game being made and you can feedback to him as well. You can actually tweet him or leave a message on the YouTube channel and say, I don't really like this part of the game where you have to click this, this, and that, you know, like something that you despise about the game. And he addresses all of it. He'll say, well, you know, either, Get over it. (laughs) No, we've had a lot of feedback on that thing, and we're definitely looking at changing it. And I've seen things change throughout these builds that people have mentioned. You know, we don't like waiting around this long for this house to build. Why is it 20 minutes? And he's knocked it down to 10 minutes. You know, there's things that you can change about the game. So so that's that. And finally, I wanted to mention Robin Williams um, died this week. Another actor. Um, Another actor? I, you know, I usually mention when a, a famous, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman died earlier this year. Robin Williams, now... A movie person that impacts your movie experience. Yeah, Robin Williams is... I was thinking, like, am I a fan of Robin Williams? And I was like, I, not really, but he has definitely... I've watched his stuff throughout my life. You know, Mark and Mindy is where I first saw him, I guess. Mark and Mindy, I used to watch that every week. And then all the films he's done, obviously. One Hour Photo is my favorite Robin Williams film. That's probably not everybody's favorite Robin Williams film, because it's very different from the others. It's like saying uh, Punch Drunk Love is my favorite Adam Sandler film, which it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like that dramary side to people who are usually funny. And, you know, I always say with the cynical mind that I have, yes, when a famous person dies, everyone makes a big deal about it. Well, thousands of other people have died today also, all different ways children people people from cancer from murder from whatever right all over the world that we don't know anything about it's just like but film as a when you thing. watch somebody and you then realize that they're the lack of them in the future is has a even a tiny impact on you like you will never oh unless you go back and watch his catalog There'll never be a, hey, well, there are four movies coming out, actually, that he's in that are yet to be released. After that, that's it. You won't see Robin Williams as an old man in a movie being funny or being like the Bob Robert De Niro thing where, you know, older in his life, he goes on to do more movies. Not that he, I mean, he was fairly young. He's only 63. So you just think. That always gets to me. Like, no Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, we're going to see him again in the new Hunger Games, and we're going to see him again in... There's actually a film that we're going to be reviewing soon. But that's it for Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. We never see any more films. New... Or the guy you like, Tony Scott, who will never direct another movie. James and... Gandolfini. Yep. We've seen everything of James Gandolfini now. Like, it's... That's it. If you enjoy somebody... And you don't... You take for granted... End. I mean, you could just be like, I don't give a shit. It's just a famous person. But then... You know, when it when you're a sports fanatic and the guy who's like the hottest sports guy right now, if you were to die in a car crash or something, that would impact you because then you would realize that guy I love rooting for and cheering for and he makes all the baskets or he shoots all the things or he does all the whatever, the home runs. Okay, well, we're never going to get to enjoy that again. Like, we'll move on and we, we're not connected because he's not like my brother or anything, but you just don't realize. And it's just the weight that we let 
famous people take on in our lives. It's I always kind sometimes. of shocking too when somebody takes their own life like that. When because you you shouldn't, but I you, don't find it shocking. But you do feel like you know, like him or Chris Farley, for instance. Or Michael know, Hutchins. Yeah, they're, they're these people. In a way, why my, you know, Amy Winehouse, people don't see it as a suicide, but it was obviously a... Jim Morrison. Know. Yeah. You feel like these people are all together and they're these famous people who you watch and... um Never think that. I never think that. I just never expect them to... Like Tony Scott. I was like... Yeah, what? he committed suicide. Yeah, I was like, what's happening? What? what? He was the one you have said, because he's the one that they said later had cancer or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he jumped and off he a bridge. And he didn't want to be a burden to his family. But but it's like a, whoa, what? But that just highlights to you that you don't know that person. No. And most of the time, I won't say most of the time because I don't know their statistics, but show people, artists, big showy people who crave and need that kind of attention and that's where their skills lie and their interaction with the world is, pay attention to me. Give me the feedback. I'll sing for you. I'll dance for you. I'll perform for you. And therefore I exist and therefore I'm important. Well, if something's dark going on behind their mind or in their mind, you just have, there's a lot of that. Like think of all the artists and people that you've known, not you've known, but known of who either commit suicide, die of drug overdoses, die of something else that's involves emotional problems. There's a lot. So. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. Um, also, yeah, there was that weird story that there's a, the new Game of Thrones they're filming at the moment. Mm. They took on a, there's a new actor. I don't know the guy's name, which is not very respectful, but he's, he's an unknown actor. He's 86, he was 86 years old. Yeah, but he's, he's not somebody everybody will recognize, but they'd hired him for a part and he'd started to do the part, 86 years old, and died on the set. So, there's another actor, and who else was it this week? Um, the lady. Oh, Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall yeah. as well, yeah. All it, they seem but to she's come... really old, and so was the 86-year-old yeah. guy. Not that that's the time to go or anything, but, you know, we have a thing in our minds, don't we, about the difference between a 63-year-old man and a 92-year-old woman. And I think a lot of the thing about Robin Williams where people, it's just people assume hmm. that how he is... You know, if you're funny, you're the funny. funny, funny, funny guy you see on the screen is just funny and happy. Why, you know, why would he kill himself? It's like a, we just automatically assume we know him, and that is him, the character that he mm. plays. You know, but then he could be more like the character in One Hour Photo, for all you know, because you don't know, do you? So, um, that's that. So, what's for dinner, Sid Talk? Morning Star products, something Morning Star, because like we said last week, got a lot of it for cheap. So we're going to have some more of it with some potato of some kind. Um, I got a bag of potato. First bag of potatoes I have purchased in years. Why? Bags of potatoes are cheap and good, right? They're cheap and good. I normally just buy one at a time because usually those bake potato, those big baking potatoes you can buy, like that are just laying on the display yeah, at the store. One of those is we enough for us. Between us right? I mean, they're big. Yeah. So by the time I peel it, cook it, mash it, that's always just the perfect amount. But... With trying to, we're, we haven't eaten out, if you've noticed, since your little illness episode True. at all. So I've been cooking every single meal since then. So I thought, well, maybe I'll grab a whole bag. And I was like, wow, they are cheap. <laughs> but they're smaller. So the peeling is an issue. I don't like the peeling part. But we're having some kind of potato. 
and then veg or soup. I don't know. I haven't worked it out yet. I was right. pre-thinking. And you have no advice? There's no, a blank really. spot in your advice. Maybe that's my advice. That sometimes... You have no advice. I can't say sometimes there's just nothing to say, because that isn't true. I don't believe that. I don't know. I just wasn't... I wasn't full of it today. All right, then. <laughs> well, i got to think of something, because somebody's going to be disappointed. All right, you can say it right at the very end. So I'll really remind you about our website, so think about it. Uh, com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on com. Click on the word podcast. Subscribe there. It's also on stitcher.com, itunes.com, the Zoom marketplace. Email feedback to me at aschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschoolyacheschool